Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 44 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my great friends. It's so lovely to have you here. We are absolutely in the depths, and I mean the depths of a Tassie winter. It is cold, it is dark, it gets dark early, um, but there are things to love like open fireplaces and red wine and AFL, actually. It's just one of those really nostalgic childhood things that, you know, <laughs> you know that it's winter and it's cold when it's fire time and footy time and, yeah. So lots of, of lovely things happening here, um, you know, like when it's cold and it's that beautiful, beautiful day, uh, which is, yeah, lovely. I, I really enjoy that weather. So that's really good. I was super lucky today to go on a walk with a colleague. Uh, and one of the things we were discussing um, is just trying to come from a place of being grateful for things that we have instead of constantly wanting more and getting caught in that trap. And I know I can definitely get caught in that trap of looking sideways, um, wanting more, comparing myself. And I was explaining this to my colleague and it was just talking about how actively I've been working for really this year has been something I've really focused on. Um, Just for me to stay in my lane, focus on me and focus on what I'm doing. Instead of always looking sideways at others, comparing myself, thinking the grass is greener, you know, all, all of that sort of thing. So I don't know if you experience this as well, but it's something that I have done a lot of in the past. Uh, and I'm not sure whether it's it's come from growing up, you know, very lucky, like I've, I've grown up with such an amazing life. I'm so fortunate. Um, and yet there is still this, well, there was this thing of, you know, wanting what I feel I didn't have instead of looking at the amazingness in my life and the wonderful things. So I've really actively worked on coming from a place of happiness and gratitude for what I do have. Instead of being somebody that just, you know, wants to look like I have a lot, I have enough self-awareness to know that I can become quite caught up in materialism and luxury. And it's interesting though I don't yearn for things like a better car, a better house, more expensive things. I'm actually genuinely, like in every cell of my being, proud of what Damien and I have and what we've built and what we're building on. And since actively working on that, you know, attitude of gratitude, I'm thinking how thrilled I am to really feel settled and comfortable in my surroundings. I remember hearing somebody describe luxury from the perspective of design instead of just the product itself and what it was made of and how it was manufactured, but the design. And it's something I really resonated with. I do like luxury items and things that have been considered from conception through to delivery to the customer and, you know, things that have been taken a lot of care with in the the thought of of how the product 
may look, feel, wear, sit, you know, right through to how it's made, the packaging and the delivery to the customer. So side note, I'm currently working with clients um, on the implementation of quality management systems at the moment to gain, to help them gain ISO 9001 certification. Nope, don't worry. I had no idea what any of that meant until about two months ago either. But it, yeah, so it's an actual thing. It's, you know, ISO is actually the International um, Organization for Standardization. So it's about generating consistency all within the viewpoint of your customer. So it's, it's actually really, really cool stuff. All about meeting customer expectations, quality assurance, et cetera, et cetera. And for my birthday, I requested and was given a Cloud9 curling wand and it was packaged beautifully. Like it was such a beautiful thing to open. It's not a cheap curling wand. It's actually quite expensive. Um, it was recommended by my hairdresser and I've never had a hairdresser. I've always moved around hairdressers because I've moved around so much, but I've been seeing a hairdresser, a specific one for, you know, the last sort of four or five haircuts I've had. And so we've developed quite a bond and I really love the way that she um, communicates with me about hair. And so she recommended this styling wand. And so if you, I think for certain items that, you know, luxury items, if I work out a cost per use and I'm like, yeah, that works. I mean, my GHD, I've literally had that thing for oh, I would say 12, 13 years, and it is still going strong. So when you work that out cost per use, it is so worth the money, I believe, each to their own. People don't value certain things and you may not value curling irons or straightening wands or whatever other way around, but you know what I mean. So anyway, for my birthday, I asked and was given for this Cloud9 curling wand and it was just beautiful. It was such a pleasure to open. It was wrapped beautifully and just it looked like it was made with love. Yeah. Have you ever purchased something like that? Have you ever been given something that is just wrapped beautifully? In my past experience with it, it's usually gifts because a lot of things like that I just would never have purchased for myself. I just did not value spending money on things like that. But when things are wrapped beautifully and packaged beautifully, doesn't it make you respect it even more? Like think of it, like I think of it as even more special because if it's packaged that way and being taken care of in that way and shipped in that way to the store or however it's arrived, then the contents must be super valuable and worth wrapping like that, hey? Beautiful candles are the same, like the glass house candles or Akoya candles. You know, they come in these beautiful glass jars and then they're boxed with like really, really high quality cardboard. You know, it's it's just that extra level of care that's that's taken with things like that that make you appreciate it and stop and enjoy it. Me anyway. Not everything, but there are certain things. Anywho, despite my love of luxury, I'll be honest, I live in Kmart clothing. I'm very happy to purchase and consume certain items <laughs> that I'm sure if I knew where they'd come from, I probably wouldn't be happy to support. I go to sweatshops in my mind. Um, but these items are not items I'm willing to pay a lot of money for, but each to their own, I say. I think it's okay to have more and it's okay to want more, but getting caught in the trap of wishing you had more can quickly cause a lot of negativity in your life that isn't necessary. I've just finished reading the book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, it was recommended to me by another coach I know named Becky Hayden. And this book was absolutely brilliant. Facebook talks about how our society has really geared us to constantly want more. 
and conditioned us to thinking we need more, thinking we want to do more, have more, be more, even when actually, genuinely, we don't. That is the science and art of advertising and selling, convincing people that they must have or should have or need to have this particular thing, product or service. The ability and data, thank you Facebook, to have social influence and to persuade us is astonishing and worth a ton of money. So when that power and that data and, you know, when when those entities know what it is that influences us, add to that society's influence, a thing called in-group bias, when a few people reinforce that recommendation, I guess, it compounds and it leads us to a life or at the very least a society that is forever wanting more of what we don't need and sometimes don't even want. It's like, what? Does that really make any sense at all? But psychologically, it does. So I still struggle with this, hand on heart. I still feel this way at times. I still aim for things. And while I have learnt and am learning to accept that wanting more is actually a good thing, um, what I have also learnt to accept along the way is that there is a fine line between wanting more and wishing or pining for more. And the emotion behind the thought, whichever that may be, is the thing to be aware of. So there are some really empowering thoughts which will drive your actions and increase your productivity, your efficiency, they'll stretch your comfort zone and other behaviours that you have to generate more in your life, whether that be money, power, love, freedom, friends, whatever, whatever it is that you're looking for. But the second that feeling becomes a feeder for, oh, I'm not good enough or why haven't I achieved that yet or I'm never going to get there or poor me, or I'm not lovable or popular or cool or sexy enough, then that is when the thought needs to be addressed and essentially stopped because that is not going to fuel you moving forward in a sustainable way. It needs to be cleared and it needs to be replaced with a new thought that's nourishing and kind and motivating. You still want an emotional response to your thought that drives your actions and your behaviors to work and achieve what you want but not at a detriment of your happiness, your fulfillment, your enjoyment of the journey. Because when it's negative, it's no longer a driver or something that's generating positive, empowered, momentous action. Instead, it's coming from negativity and scarcity and fear. It's the stick, not the carrot. I know you can achieve things out of negativity. Sometimes fear and scarcity are really great drivers for action. But I would argue the point that they are great for instant gratification and short-term gains. They are not sustainable. They feel terrible. And that terrible feeling only compounds because you're forcing a round peg into a square hole, which you'll manage to achieve. Sure, I know it sounds crazy, but you will. You'll, You'll do it. Only to realize that it can't stay that way because guess what? It doesn't fit. Therefore, at some point, that square peg and round hole are going to clash and it's going to undo itself. And the feeling that we all experience when that undoing happens is even worse. And it puts us in a deeper hole, usually, than what we were in before we already started. Have you ever had an event coming up where you've practically starved yourself 
or you've done a really intense diet to drop those kilos and look, you've wanted to look a million dollars for that event only to completely blow it out the other end and put on more weight than what you were pre-event. I've definitely done that. Or you've had to sit an exam or an assessment of some kind and you've crammed and crammed and crammed and even if you've hit the deadline, you fall in a heap afterwards, exhausted, maybe you get sick because you've worked so hard just to get through it but then you still don't retain that knowledge to give it a practical long-term application out the other side. I even see it with my ISO clients. So my clients are achieving certification, you know, they have to go through an external audit to get their QMS certified. And if they haven't implemented their QMS in a way that benefits their organization and their customers, then it's not sustainable. And they get their certification, they let their QMS lapse. And then when it comes to getting recertified the following year, it's the QMS is so far behind where it needs to be that the work it takes to get it back up to speed is actually way too much work and really, really counterproductive. Another example is that you've taken a risk in your business, whether that be on yourself or others, and you put a bunch of money into something that you were sure was going to pay dividends. And instead, you're in the same place as you were before, but with less money. Or you realized you spent your money on the wrong thing and you were perhaps a little bit impulsive. I know I've been caught in this trap before. Who hasn't? And what I've learned along the way, as I've mentioned, is it's not wanting more that's the problem. It's wanting more desperately or badly or pining for it or quickly or you're just doing it to get a tick box and move on. Instead of using strategic mental energy, using our prefrontal cortex to make a strategic decision and work towards what we want slowly and consistently to get there in a sustainable way. So by doing that, doing it in that way, it's steady, it's calm, considered, it's productive. And it also enables you to look after yourself along the way, which makes it long-term, sustainable and embedded within you. It also gives you that freedom to enjoy the journey, to innovate and to creatively problem solve when you hit hurdles instead of grinding and hustling and just burning yourself out. It often takes me speaking to somebody else who has something that I take for granted like heating or beautiful children or a bigger mortgage to pay before I can remind myself when I am in severe scarcity that actually what I have is incredible and I'm very grateful for it. In recent years, I've been working at feeling that gratitude and appreciation very consciously instead of needing an external reminder to go to that place. Because in truth, we never know what other people are going through. It actually doesn't matter what car they drive, how big their house is, whatever material thing you compare with. You never truly know what's going on with somebody else. And nor should you, because really, it's none of our business. It's actually about finding that inner peace within yourself and with what you have in your life, finding the things that you didn't have before that now you do have, you really appreciate, even if they're the most minor things. For me, the thing that comes to mind is a dishwasher. I haven't, I've never had a dishwasher ever, not my whole life. I think I had one rental in Melbourne one rental property that had a dishwasher and half the time I wouldn't open it because I had a roommate who would stick stuff in it that had um, like 
celiac friendly pasta and tomato sauce like stuck to the plate like she wouldn't even rinse it before she put it in the dishwasher and then it would sit there for days and it would smell so bad like I didn't I'd never actually used it so now I have a dishwasher and I'm like oh my god it's the best but you can find that with anything in your life you can look at your life and you know you've got things now that you didn't have six months ago three years ago five years ago even if that's just being able to get out and about now covid's not as strong you know traveling's coming back Woo-hoo. so you've just got to really take the time to identify what you have now that you didn't have before if that's what you need to help you feel better about it and find that place of gratitude finding that inner peace that level of contentedness within yourself and your own life and your environment so lately i've been really working on bringing that more internal and Gay Hendricks talks about this, you know, internally allowing more positivity and even more space and not disrupting the positive flow of emotion that I get to experience um, by having a thought that cuts it off or feeling like I'm not valuable to have it or not worthy enough to have it. You know, I really actively started to go, no, no, just like let's savor that positivity. Let's savor that positive emotion. So it just, you know, allows me to remind myself how fortunate I am and how incredible my life is because it is. It really, truly is. And that doesn't mean I don't want to achieve new things. It doesn't mean I don't want to have more. I absolutely love to go into a department store. I would love to have a stylist revamp my entire wardrobe. (laughs) I would love to have an outfit for every day of the week that I would just wear every like same one, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday for every single season already organized for me. So I never had to think about it. And I looked awesome every day in what I was wearing um, and also be comfortable and also look good. And then, and, you know, <laughs> that is something that is on my bucket list and I'm very, very much striving for. Um, so, you know, this the whole process for me has come from a realization that I truly want to live my life feeling fortunate and humble and with thanks. Because when I'm in that state, that way of being, I'm so much more open. I'm kind. I'm patient. I'm empathetic. I'm generous. And also, I'm just a better person. I'm a happier person. And the impact that that has on those around me, on my community, it matters. I want to stick at things long enough to make an impact and not be jumping from lily pad to lily pad onto the next shiny new thing that comes along because it may be better. I did that for a long time and in truth, it was a great discovery time for me. I learnt what I don't want, what I do want, how I can navigate certain situations, you know, when it's not a good idea to do that. So are you somebody who's chasing more, pining, hustling, wishing you had something different right now than what you have? In truth, if you're listening to me right now, I would expect your answer to be yes. If you and I could have a conversation right now and we were talking in a two-way dialogue, I would expect that your answer to that question is a hell yes, I want more. And I love that because that will give you great conviction and determination to go after the things you want and to let nothing stand in your way. What I would like to stop and ask you though, is are you getting closer to getting what you want? Are you still taking action towards what you want? If the answers to those questions are yes, great. Then. Also ask yourself, are you tired? Do you have a plan? And is the action you're taking right now worth it? If you're not getting those results and you're taking a lot of action, what's going wrong? Because what you're doing is a process 
step one, step two, step three. So where is your process breaking down? How can you address that? How can you get smarter about the way you're working instead of working harder? How can you generate more positive emotions to really feel good along the journey and the path that you're taking? Consider what it is you're chasing. Consider the things you really want. And I don't mean the superficial stuff. Material things are great. But if you truly want it, that's great. But stop. Know your reasons. Why do you want it? Like your reasons for wanting it. And if this is something you truly, truly want and you like your reasons for wanting it, does the way you're approaching getting it right now feel good? Or does it feel strained? If it feels good, what you can do to make it feel even better is to sit down and really think about it. How can you make it even more enjoyable for yourself along this path? What's going to enhance your experience? There's that old saying, it's not the destination, it's the journey, something like that. And it's so true. Who wants to arrive at the destination going, well, I've worked at this for 10 years and it just, it's been so hard and sucked and I've sacrificed too much and now it's not really worth it. I certainly don't want to look at it like that. I want to enjoy the process. I want to enjoy the path I'm on, which means I have to stop and get really strategic about it and work out how I can do that. It doesn't come supernaturally sometimes. If what you're doing is feeling strained, why? Is your inspiration fading? Is your passion fading? These are all signs of early burnout. And I know it's a term very commonly thrown around these days, but it's still important to pay attention to because if you're going after something you truly want, it should feel sustainable. The highs and lows you experience on your way to achieving what you want to achieve should be about external hurdles that you couldn't anticipate, not the emotional highs and lows that you go through along the way. They are absolutely bound to happen. But it's important to experience the highs and lows, not just the lows of lows. Take some notes. Pay attention to how you're feeling day to day. What can you do to bring more enjoyment, more energy, more calm, more contentedness, more strategy into your longer term goals and vision for your life? I'd love to hear these visions. If you ever care to share them, please, please do. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye now. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.